Donnie Nelson out as GM. Rick Carlisle steps down as head coach. Adam Rosenfield rejoins me to discuss where the Mavericks go from here. Hello there. And welcome to another episode of Metroplex Mania. As always, I'm your host, Sean Avaz Makani. Metroplex Mania is brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. Rarely do I do two shows uh, this close back-to-back, but uh, here in Mavericks land, it's a very, very tumultuous time. Uh, we felt that uh, needed an emergency podcast episode, and once again, I bring on my childhood buddy, Mr. Adam Rosenfield, uh, who was my guest on the last show as well, uh, because a lot of the things that we talked about, um, you know, what was it, Monday, Tuesday, Adam? We talked about this stuff, and literally, the dominoes started falling what right after we got done with the pod i mean it was crazy i mean what the 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 story came out and then the next was it the next day donnie resigned and then or forced out however you want to say it mutually agreed to part ways is is what the media put it as and then was it the next day rick sent that to tim mcmahon or whoever it was and so yeah um by the way, I'm really interested. I don't, I'm sure you've seen Twitter of the whole. I think there was one high-ranking source said to Brad Townsend, like it, it, it it's, it's a lot better of an environment. Um, I thought, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and and I want to get into that with the news that just broke a couple hours ago. Um, you know, and and we'll touch on that because I think that kind of starts the the rebuild process of the front office, if you will, right? But. Um, if we go back, so, uh, you know, if, if you're listening to this show, go back and listen to the last show that, that was published. Uh, you know, Adam and I kind of talked about where do the Mavericks need to go and, and what do they need to do? And obviously we both agree there's front office changes that are, that need to occur, especially with the Bob Volguera story that, that dropped, um, on the athletic from Tim Cato and Sam Amick on Monday. Um, and like Adam said, uh, you know, this right, we published this Tuesday morning, the last episode, and um, Donnie Nelson was let go, or excuse me, Wednesday morning, and then Donnie Nelson was um, was fired. And from everything that I read, he was actually let go on Sunday, um, which tells me, Adam, that there was somebody, it, for sure, it was somebody in Donnie's camp that leaked that story. 100%. Right? Oh, or Donnie was the source, and Tim Cato's not telling us. Right. It, it had to be, and, and, you, you know, we talked about it, that it, it had to be somebody at Donnie's camp, and but there was still a little bit of, like, hesitancy. Like, okay, was it really, or was it somebody in Rick's camp? Or This was 100% Donnie. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, just the way it happened, though, it's like literally bam, bam, bam. And then, yeah, I won't, uh, I won't preempt the, the news that happened a couple hours ago. But, um, yeah, it's... Everything we, we said needed to happen, happened. Um, and this is going to be really, really interesting uh, these next couple of weeks. Um, how is this going to affect free agency? Um, obviously, we don't have any picks in the draft. But, you know, free agency, Luca. I mean, it's literally, it's a domino effect on down. And, you know, I, I, something that really, really upset me when this news broke, right, is you know, I'm a big ESPN watcher, right? I love watching ESPN. They've, they've had a lot of turnover, obviously, the last couple of years with a lot of their high-ranking um, journalists leaving, uh, you know, and going off to do other things. 
but, you know, just watching ESPN that afternoon and hearing people like Mark Spears say, okay, well, Luca's not signing the extension because he loved Donnie. Um, and hearing, you know, every everything from that media outlet. I mean, and I tweeted it multiple times that don't trust anybody nationally when it comes to, Local. you know, Dallas sports, right? The people I trust, Tim, obviously, I mean, I think is, we've talked about how reputable he is. Brad Townsend of the Dallas Morning News um, is very, very close to the team. Uh, Mark Folliwell, even though he's a broadcaster, he generally um, has an inside track on, on a I couple mean, things. And Mark I, Stein, right, yeah. in the New York Times. I mean, Mark Stein's probably the only – Mark Stein and Tim McMahon are probably the only national guys because, I mean, they started local with the morning news. And, right. you know, you've got it. But, I mean, I think that's in every that, – that's the problem with every uh, NBA – NBA trade, NBA firing that comes out. It's, you know, that comes out, national media makes a story, but you got to dig for the local media to figure out, okay, what's actually, you know, what, Tim Cato, Brad Townsend are probably two of the most well-sourced got, mad, mad reporters. So. Yeah. And so we kind of figured the Donnie firing was coming, right. And, and the, you know, the, they said mutually parting ways, but you know, everybody knows it was Cuban letting Donnie go. Um, you know, we've talked about potential candidates to take over. I, I really do like the fact that Cuban is going with Sportsology um, to to find a new GM. Um, you know, I think that's the the work that they did with with consulting for the Clippers when Lawrence Frank took over. Yeah. Um, there's a really interesting piece on the Ringer uh, from back in February. I think uh, somebody had retweeted it, and I, I went back and read part of it, but. It was really about how Sportsology has affected um, franchises like the Kings and uh, and the Clippers and the Kings. You know, and you know, people laugh at them and stuff. But Vivek Ranadive, who is the owner, um, there a lot of turnover on that team, right? A lot of uh, you know, forced out Vladi Divac and uh, you know, just going through coach after coach. Uh, but he hired Sportsology before they hired their new GM um, and and kind of revamped their front office. Well, I, I think be, being so being a recruiter myself and being a former executive recruiter, I mean, I can always sell the merits of executive recruiting. I mean, there's definitely bringing in this firm, not only yeah his his expertise, but also there's going to be some confidentiality in the process. Mm -hmm. So rather than, you know, you got Chris Broussard or somebody like that, you know, tweeting nonsense. Um, I think the great thing is that the, the the confidentiality in this process will just help, you know, bring about more. I mean, I think there's going to be quality candidates anyway, because who doesn't want to work with a generational superstar? But I think that's going to bring some professionalism in the process that maybe, you know, Crypto Bob uh, might, might not bring. So Crypto Bob, what a nickname. Um <laughs> You know, and, and yeah, and, and I agree. And, and whoever they bring in as GM, is it going to be a Masai Ujiri? Is it going to be internal? Is it Michael Finley who comes in, uh, who they've been grooming for the last five years to, to kind of take over that role? I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, the, the question I have, though, and, and we'll get to what I think the answer is, because it, it, the, the next flurry of moves, I think, have really dictated, um, you know, what's going to happen going forward. But the biggest question is, is Cuban going to secede control, right? Is he going to take a step back as the quote-unquote de facto GM, as he's been called? Is he going to take a step back and say, okay, you know what? Whoever's coming in, you've got the reins. You've got complete control. I'll do the business side. 
run everything by me, right? But if you think it's a good idea, we're doing it. You're GM. That's it. I mean, this is this hire, since this is a Metroplex podcast, I mean, this hire will go well to determine whether or not he is like he's learned or he's going to be the next Jerry. Yeah. And the comparison I have with Donnie is right in our backyard, Adam. It's John Daniels, right? I mean, John Daniels has had had the Rangers GM job, you know, forever because he made, you know, he made the Elvis Andrews trade in 2007. Right, which brought in, you know, he, excuse me, the Teixeira trade, which brought in Elvis Andrews. Yeah. Um, revamped the entire organization. Um, went to back to back World Series the same time that the Mavericks were competing for a title. Um, and, and, you know, kind of spot, I mean, there was a period of time where the Rangers for seven years were competing for an AL West division crown. And John Daniels, after that, has made a flurry of horrendous trades and horrendous signings. Um, you know, and it's now you bring in a guy like Chris Young, right? I think ownership kind of was just like, all right, if we're going to rebuild, we got to bring in a new guy. Daniels will have his president of baseball operations job, whatever it is. But Chris Young is the GM. And you can see that in some of the moves that, that he made in the offseason, right? Kind of starting that rebuild and figuring out who's the core piece of this team and and who's not. The Nate Lowe deal had Chris Young written all over it from well, a Rangers so, perspective. So, so I'm curious, you know, we talk, we talk about – that sort of uh, grooming, for example. And my question, I mean, obviously certain moves had Haralabob's name on it, right. but do any right now or have any previously had Finley's name on it? Um, because I, I would be curious to sort of see what imprint has, so I saw, it was an article, I think in the morning news, it was a couple of years ago, and they said he was instrumental in the drafting of AJ Hammonds, which we know wasn't Didn't, much. Didn't work so, out. Yeah. So what else has Finley done? Like, is there a track record of some sort, you know, that we can that we can judge from? Um, what kind of a GM might might Finley be? Yeah, and it's interesting, and, and I don't think we'll get the answer to that. Um, but I mean, you look back at Donnie's moves, right? I mean, the 2019 summer where you had all this cap space, uh, and you go out and your big signing is Delon Wright. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, there's been awful moves. And, and as much as people hate Colin Cowherd, I actually am a fan. And, and Cowherd brought up a really good point uh, on his show earlier today is that, it, and it's what a lot of people have said, but it, Donnie, you know, got a pass, right? Donnie got, you know, he found Dirk, traded, you know, for Dirk. Um, and the Mavericks, you know, spent, an eternity wasting his career and not, not bringing people around. And Donnie tried to figure out yeah. what was going on. But I think there was also a sense of complacency from Donnie because it was like, he found Dirk. He couldn't, he, the guy's a legend, right? I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong that, that could happen if Dirk yeah. is. But here's the thing though. It's like, he found Dirk, he found Luca, but you, you know, how much of a team And yes, you won 2011, but it's like, think about it. It's like us in the non-sports world. So you, so you did one thing 10 years ago that was huge for your company and what you get to rest on your laurels for 20 exactly. years. Yeah. We, if, if this is corporate America, we're fired a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we're, yeah, exactly. Like we don't get, you know, that, that Dirk drafting gets, gets us what five years in the corporate world, maybe three. Right. Depending on the industry. It's, it's, it's a, you know, what are you going to do for me now? Yeah. You found Dirk, but okay, let's, let's build on it. Right. Let's continue to put pieces around him. And that's where, that's where Donnie Nelson failed. 
And yeah. so, you know, we get to the, the firing of Donnie Nelson and we talked about it, Adam, when we recorded the podcast that there was a sense and it's been, it's been a talk that's happened, I think more so with the loss after game seven. And I brought it up to you that it, the coaching style of Carlisle, was it a good fit, right? With, with younger players, just Carlisle has a notorious history of not trusting rookies, not trusting young players. Everybody wondered why. Josh Green didn't play more this year, um, and if you're a Dal- if if you know Dallas sports, ca- the the Mavericks don't play rookies. Luca was an exception. Yeah, I mean, I think Carlisle is a great coach for Luca five six years down the road. Agreed. Yeah, uh, you know he, and and that that that's the thing is he is a, and I've read a lot of where European coaches like they cuss out their people and like they ride them, but you know. I really think we need a relation. Like, how do you think Dirk would have developed and Nash would have developed had Carlisle coached them in their early years? Like, how much of a leash do you think they would have get? They, they would they would have gotten it. It would have been. I I mean, I don't know if it would have worked out the same way it did, right? I mean, I think it. It's a good question to ask, but you know, all this, you know, basically what came to fruition was Rick Carlisle eventually decided to step down as the Mavericks head coach yesterday. Uh, this is the most Mavericks news we've had in, you know, in a three-day span in, you know, since the DeAndre Jordan fiasco, I think. Yeah. Um, and it came as a shock, I think, to a lot of people. Um, you know, I was surprised, but I, 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 I understand it. You know, from what I, from everything I read, um, Rick Carlisle had been sitting down with Mark Cuban the last few days, kind of talking about the future of the team, um, you know, what his place was. And here, the sense that I got, Adam, is Rick Carlisle was going to be on the hot seat no matter what going yeah. into next year. Um, 100%. The, the sense I got is, and it happens with every organization across any major sporting, any major sport, any team that replaces their general manager or replaces their president of basketball operations or whatever the case may be, whatever you want to call the title. It happens across like America in general. It's like you were corporate America, right? Yeah. Yeah. You replace somebody that high level, your CFO, your CEO, whatever. Yeah. They want to bring in their own guys. And so I think there was a sense from Rick Carlisle that whoever comes in as GM, now that Donnie's gone, his seat is going to be hot. And if the Mavericks don't, make the Western conference finals, for example, next year, he's done. Right. And so I think with the abundance of job openings, especially Boston that's open, uh, which is where he played, he's from Massachusetts, Indiana, where he used to coach and also the potential bucks opening. If they, you know, somehow blow this, you know, series against the Nets and they call for, for coach Bud's head, three viable jobs at, I mean, Carlos at the top of the list for any job in the NBA right now. Yeah. So, I think I think there was a growing sense that he was going to be on the hot seat anyway, and it was time for him to step away. And you know, as a Mavericks fan, it sucks because Rick Carlisle brought us the championship. He was a great person, you know, just a great guy to to you know watch his interviews and stuff. Um, but hey, haven't won a playoff game in ten years, right? Been ousted yeah. in the first round every time we've been in the playoffs. Um, it's, it's easier to stomach. I mean, ten year. It's easier to stomach when it's been ten years. Right. Exactly. Than, like, if he was fired in 2013 or 2014, we'd be like, wait a second. 
But... Yeah, it's like okay, like come on, give this guy you know a chance, right? Um, well, it's like uh, you know, it's like it's like when we uh, when we fired Wash uh, was that 2012? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when we had that 67 to 95 season, you know, he was a year removed from losing the World Series in seven games. We had a rough year, and you know, that it was like dang, like one rough year, really? Like yeah. that's it. And I think with Wash, there was contributing factors, of course. Yeah, right? I mean, there's but, personal problems. Right. But, but you know, it's with, with Rick, it's like your style. And I think we shouldn't discount, too. Like him and Donnie apparently had known each other for like 30, 40 years. They've known each other uh, for 40 years. They, Donnie was four, three years ahead of Rick Carlisle, Rick Carlisle in high school, I think. So yeah. they've known each other forever. So, so, like, there's that loyalty, you know, as a friend. Right. Uh, more, more, more than anything. But, you know, it's I think it was easy to stomach. I mean, 10 years and the past two years, just these brutal first round losses. It's like, you know, it's it's time. It's time to it's time to move on. And luckily, I, I, I mean, I, I'll preempt this and we can go we can go with this for a little bit. But uh, we did get some good news couple hours ago with uh we did and and i'll get into that real quickly but i wanted to bring up something that i i listened to yesterday i listened to zach lowe's podcast uh that dropped with tim mcmahon that was actually recorded uh according to zach lowe right before the carlisle firing um for anybody who hasn't listened to it i would listen i would highly recommend listening to the first 30 minutes of it or go to mavs reddit uh somebody posted kind of a uh, transcript of it but I wanted to get your take on this, Adam, because I thought it was really interesting. And it's what I, what you and I talked about offline. And I thought um, was what was going on behind the scenes, but the relationship between Luka Doncic and Rick Carlisle was not good for, for anybody who thinks that, you know, there was a, obviously there was respect there because Luka respects Dirk and respects Carlisle because of the fact that he's been the coach for so long um, he won the title. He understands the history, but the style that Rick Carlisle has, he, he apparently, according to Tim McMahon, rubbed people the wrong way, especially Salah Mejri. When Mejri was on this team, um, you know, I think Rick called him like a dog and like benched him. And Luca was very, very close to Salah Mejri. Um, it, Tim McMahon also said that there was at one point where Luca came back into a huddle and yelled at him, who's running the team? Is it you oh, or yeah, Bob? Bob. <laughs> and so, Look, Luca's a 22-year-old kid. He's a hothead. Um, we get it, right? He led the league in technicals tied with Dwight Howard this year, right? We understand there's frustration. We were all doing stupid shit when we were 22 also. But, but, but you have to have the right coach. Exactly. You've got to have the right guy. And, and at the end of the day, it's exactly what everybody's been saying. You do what you can to keep Luca happy. He's going to sign the Supermax, but what you don't want to happen is three years down the road where he says, okay, we've made it to the second round of the playoffs. I don't like my coach anymore. I don't like this. I want to be traded. And you're in a James Harden situation now where you're just trying to recoup assets for him at that point. Cause he's not going to, he's not going to stay. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the thing is you've got to get somebody who can harness, you know, think about it. 18 year old Kobe hothead who harnessed his energy, Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we're not going to get a Phil Jackson type. There is no, there are no, the only Phil Jackson type out there may be Greg Popovich. Um, but he's got, I, I think he's got his own style that probably wouldn't fit with Luca. Um, but you, you have to, you know, Luca is our most important asset. 
And once he signed that super signs that supermax, that clock starts. Absolutely. Um, and you you have to. I mean, everybody everything comes out about Jamal Mosley. And I'm yes, I'm sure a lot of Maz Nation would be like, oh, well, this is you know underwhelming. But you know what? If it's I don't know, some- man. Jamal Mosley is very well revered. Everything yeah. I've seen on Twitter, it's. I mean, Tristan Thompson came out today and was like, Jamal Mosley needs to get that job. Like. People yeah. like other people in the NBA are saying, "Okay, get Jamal. Like, just just screw everything else. Just hire Jamal Mosley, and like right. you guys will be fine." If he can, if he can reach Luca and have him, because even Luca's like, "Hey, I need to be more of a leader." Yeah. And if he can get him to harness that sort of leadership, um, you know, I think that's going to be the most important part in moving this moving this Mavericks team forward. And I think, by all accounts, everything that that I've read, at least, is that Luca and Jamal Mosley have a fantastic relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So you bring in a coach that that he trusts, and there's been other names thrown out there. Terry Stotts, uh, you know, former Maverick assistant, former Portland head coach. I could see Stotts coming back as an assistant if Mosley gets the, if Mosley gets the job. It would yeah. not shock me at all yeah. if Terry Stotts is back on staff. Um, and then the other name that people are throwing out there is Jason Kidd, which I know there's a lot of reservations about. I don't want him. I know you don't want him. Um, I think it's just a name thrown out there because of the relationship that he has with uh, with the team and and you know the fact that he played for us and won a title for us. But see, I don't. That, that's the thing is we romanticize that. But but here's the knocks on Kidd. I mean, sure he helped out Giannis, but you know he sucked as a Bucks coach, sucked as a next coach. Um, history of domestic violence, which. Uh, uh, you know, definitely with, don't need that around the organization yeah, right yeah. now. Especially with like everything we dealt with the past couple of years. I mean, I know it's nostalgic to have to have him on there, but I, I don't, I don't need that. Like fresh faces. You know, I think one person from that title team I wouldn't mind having is Sean Marion. Um, yeah. But that's, I mean, and Dirk obviously, but that's a whole nother story. But, yeah, two other names I've heard that have gotten thrown out that I think are interesting, and I, I don't know how I feel about them. Uh, but Kenny Atkinson, the former Nets head coach, I know he was forced out by Durant and Kyrie, but did a really good job of coaching up uh, a Nets team and taking them to the playoffs. Uh, and he's got that he's got that Spurs pedigree. I think he's an assistant for the Clippers now. Um, that sounds like a Carlisle vibe, though. You know, coaching coaching up a team and getting them to the true. playoffs. True. The other one that I saw on Twitter, and I don't know if it's true, and I don't know if I'd want it, but it just it intrigued me was Mike Shashevsky, um, since he's stepping down from Duke. But I, I don't see Shashevsky leaving Duke now for an NBA job, right? No, like, dude, he's almost eighty years old. Like, I, if I'm him, I'm taking that what five hundred k that they're probably going to pay him to be a special advisor. Yeah, and just like uh, consult for the team, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and you talk about age, it's funny because Carlisle's what, 60 something, right? And there's Lucas 22. So you talk about a generational gap there as well, yeah. right? Between the two. So, um, you know, crazy. I mean, so Donnie, you know, Donnie gets fired, Carlisle steps down. And then, you know, today, yesterday, you know, you and I are talking, we're like, all right, we got to do an emergency podcast, right? Because like, this is, this is just nuts, everything that's coming out. Um, and the one thing I want to say is just to assure however many listeners I, I get on this podcast Luca signing a supermax. Like, don't don't go he's thinking signed. that he's going to take a qualifying offer and become an, an unrestricted free agent. The money for a 22 year old kid just isn't, you're not turning down 201 million dollars guaranteed. Like, that's not going to happen. So Luca's going to be here for the next six years. It's all about how does Mark Cuban rebuild this front office? What steps does he need to take to start 
repairing the image around everything that's happened this week. And today, just a few hours ago, news broke that he took probably the best step forward you could possibly take hiring Mavs legend, Dallas legend, the greatest athlete in the greatest player in Dallas sports history, Dirk Nowitzki as special advisor. Yeah. Um, and, and this is a lot. Dirk has turned down job offers from a lot of other places. He turned down his best friend, Steve Nash to join Brooklyn staff. Um, Cuban. So what I read uh, when this story broke was that Cuban and Michael Finley and Dirk have been meeting for hours upon hours for the last few days as all well, of this stuff has been happening. And I assume too, cause they said longtime staffers. So I assume Keith Grant is in there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure Jamal Mosley's in there somewhere. Right. I mean, uh, he's had, I'm sure he sat down with a few folks, but you know, these have been ongoing discussions and from everything I can tell Cuban reached out to Dirk. Dirk's been very, very, um, he's had a lot of trepidation about jumping into a front office role the last couple of years. Right. I mean, the guy just retired two years ago. So it's not yeah. like, it's not like this is, you know, he could have had the job the day he retired if he wanted, but he wanted to take time back, time, excuse me, time off and spend time with his wife, spend time with his kids. Um, and- I, I think the biggest thing, though, when we talk about this is what does special advisor, you know, because Jerry West was a special advisor, is a special advisor to the Clippers, if mm-hmm, I'm correct. correct. So, like, how much of a role is this? Like, is Dirk involved? Is Dirk more, like, relationship building within the team? Is he more with Finley on the drafting and personnel? Like, I don't see Dirk as like a, a cap nerd or something like no, that. No, no, no. I think this is whatever Cuban wants him to do. And I think I think a lot of it is going to be player-coach relations, right? I think it's going to be mentoring. I think it's going to be uh, someone on the staff who knows the history of the team, someone on the staff who can, who can reach you. I mean, he's revered by everybody on this roster, right? And anybody who comes in, Anybody who plays for this team knows what Dirk means to the city and what Dirk means to this team. And, and I think he can help uh, maybe as a calming voice in the front office, right? Um, and I think a way to bridge between players and, and front office and coaching. Um, but this was a specific ask from Mark Cuban, right? Cuban came to Dirk and said, I need I need this from you. And, and I think it's the right step. It's a step in the right direction because... Um, I think along with, like we talked about the player relationship building, I think Dirk's going to have a hand in, in whatever recommendations for general manager that Sportology comes back with. Cuban is going to consult Dirk and he's going to consult Finley if Finley's not the choice. Um, and I think you're going to, you're going to see a lot of those influences uh, from Dirk in the decision-making going forward. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I am curious to see what it, what, what his job looks like um how that impacts who is hired you know we we talked about finley was in finley was in the discussions jamal mosley was in the discussions uh you know obviously sportsology is in those discussions so what does that mean right with you know who is in the org going forward so um and i think yes do i think a lot of people will be underwhelmed if like we want Masai, you know we want Masai from toronto and we end up with Finley, yes, but do I think that that's probably where we're going to maintain organizational continuity, like especially with Dirk involved, like that could be the case. Absolutely, and and I think, you know, our our dear friend on Twitter earlier, um, for those of you who don't know who we're talking about, I'll, I'll keep it as an inside joke between me and Adam, but 
uh, tweeted something that I've seen a lot on Twitter and that, and that this was a total PR move. And even if it was, I think it's the absolute right move to make. You need a PR move. You need, you need something that's taking away from, from all the noise and the distractions and something that Dallas fans can look at and say, okay, thank God. We've got, yeah. we've got Dirk's voice. Like, we wanted Dirk to have some capacity with the team since the day he, he retired. Um, and so I think this is a step in the right direction, like I said. And I want to bring up a quote that you mentioned earlier. Um, Brad Townsend, who's a reporter for the Dallas Morning News, very, very looped in with the team, tweeted this um, a couple of hours ago after the Nowitzki hiring was, uh, was announced. And he said, a couple of hours before the Dirk announcement, I was told by someone high up in the Mavericks' remaining food change that, quote, we are in a much better place. Yep. End quote. I'm sure Nowitzki's return was behind part of the optimism, but it had to be more than that. What do you make of all that? I don't know, because what does that mean for Haralabob? Um, well, Haralabob's contract is up, right? We don't know. And, and here, here's the thing with Haralabob, right? And every NBA team and every sports team has a analytics guy right on their roster who is providing input and providing suggestions. Um, you know, the, the whole Haralabov influencing Rick Carlisle's lineups uh, discussion obviously is not true because if that were the case, Josh Green would have played more this year. I mean, I, I, but I think there's a point in terms of, so like the Raptors GM, Bobby Webster, mm-hmm. you know, Bobby Webster, I think was an analytics guy and you know, but Bobby Webster did not influence Dwayne Casey or Nick Nurse. You know? No, no, and, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think Haralabob influenced Carlisle. I think Carlisle did his. I think he provided input and said, "Hey, we should play Josh Green more minutes." And Carlisle said, "No, I don't. I don't trust him." Sure. I mean, I, I am curious. You know that that quote was really interesting because was the front office like that bad for 24 years and and 13 years? Cause like, you know, everybody was like the Mavs were a measure of stability, but was it everybody hiding behind Dirk's 21 years? Yeah. Here's what I think happened, right? I think it got to a point where, um, you know, you draft a kid who is 18 years old, 18, 19, whatever Luca was when we drafted him. And I think he just, he accelerated a lot faster than what the Mavericks anticipated than what anybody anticipated, right? I think everyone knew that this kid was going to be good. I don't think anybody thought he'd be a generational superstar in year three. Right. Right. Nobody thought he'd be LeBron. Right. And, and, you know, it's, I think the timeline sped up a lot faster than what people were expecting. And so I think there was a lot of turmoil as we know, uh, in the front office between the moves Donnie has made and Rick's coaching style. And what, what this quote from Brad Townsend tells me is that a lot of people are, that this is what a lot of folks in the front office wanted, right? They wanted a change. They felt that the change was needed to continue to grow this team and, and more importantly, to keep Luka Doncic happy and to acquire the right pieces around Luka to keep him here long long term after the Supermax, right? Does that mean... Moving Porzingis, does that mean letting you know getting a coach in here who can utilize Porzingis better than than Rick Carlisle did instead of having him stand out in the corner to, and shoot threes all game? Um, is it somebody who who can get more out of Jalen Brunson? I mean, who knows, right? I but I that quote. Uh, or, uh, let, let's or 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 what about this? Is it somebody who is not a yes man to Mark Cuban? Exactly, and 
you know, Masai Ujiri is not coming here if he's got an answer to Cuban. Masai Ujiri is coming here if he's got total control. That That's the only way that Ujiri comes, right? Um, and, and again, like you said, we'll see what, what happens with the search and everything. But but I find that quote really interesting because I think it it helps solidify a little bit in my mind, at least, that these were the right moves to make. Um, I think it just, if this was, if all this had been done without the Haralabob story, I think there would be a different narrative. Don't you think? Like, I think people would be like, okay, like, I make sense. See, I think, though, even if we had lost in the second round, like, this stuff would have come out anyway. No, no, I agree. What I'm saying is if the, if the Haralabob story never came out, right, and we just wake up Wednesday morning and find out that Donnie Nelson is fired and Carlisle stepped down, you think the narrative would be different and just be like, okay, uh-huh. yeah. You know, I, I think maybe, but, you know, like, because there's always, there's, there's been people calling for Donnie and Rick's head for, for years. years so, yeah. I mean, now it's more of a, oh, like, this is, you know, Haralab, you know, this is Haralabob and Cubans got to do something about it because, like, Luca hates him. But I think this, like, Rick stuff would have come, I mean, it would have come up anyway. Um, because like people could see like, you know, it's not like the same relationship as Rick and Dirk. Yeah. You can see Luca like getting pissed off at him, like during timeouts and stuff. Yeah. So Rick's a championship coach, but you know, once again, as in normal business life, sometimes, you know, like there are coaches who like, well, you, you see it all the time. Like there are coaches who they excel at developing young players then there are coaches who excel at those young players to contenders. And then there are the ones, there are the Phil Jacksons. You will, you would, you should never give Phil Jackson a team of rookies. Um, but oh, like, absolutely not. you could give, I'm trying to think of, of a good, like Monty Williams is great for a team of rookies, for instance. But like, if you're looking to get, you know, conference finals to championship, that's when you bring in Phil Jackson, for instance. And like Rick, just didn't fit the arc. Rick fit the arc of this team from 08 to 2013 or even to 2016, but you know, he didn't fit, he didn't fit the arc anymore. I think that's really what it is. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. You've got to, you've got to bring in a guy, um, you know, who, who can form a better relationship. And you alluded to it earlier, right? That coaches in Europe are, you know, they, they'll, they're vulgar on the court. They'll curse and they'll, they'll, yell at you and there's videos of Luca's old coach um yeah. when he when he was playing for Real Madrid um you know just kind of going nuts on the sideline but you know there's a respect level there and I and I think it also is the way you treat other players right I, I, that, that was a lot of there was a lot of talk about Carlisle and Luca's relationship because of the way that Carlisle treated um treated a lot of friends that Luca had on the team like a solid measure even JJ Reddick didn't he talk about in his podcast that uh, there was a story that came out I can't remember um, yeah. but that when, when he first came, Carlisle like didn't want to play him, even though he felt he was healthy and JJ Reddick had to burst into Carlisle's office and say, Hey man, like you're going to play, like I, you're going to put me on the court. Like, that's not like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's just a, a good time for everybody to separate. Um, I, I think that's really, that's really what it comes down to. Um, Carlisle's ways got a little old, I think. It might work with the Celtics, you know, might work with Giannis and the Bucks. So um, I will be curious to see, you know, how he does with two healthy first rounders or if he goes and replaces, you know, goes and replaces Budenholzer in Milwaukee 
like how, how, how that impacts as well. So, um, but I mean, I, I think that's the thing is, is sometimes, you know, relationships, uh, you know, hopefully our wives aren't listening, you know, relationships, uh, they, they all don't last forever. So that's true. And, and I think one, somebody, I found a, I was trying to look for this, um, stat that I read earlier, but the number of, of superstars or what, you know, what we consider generational superstars who have won an NBA title with their first head coach, just a list of names of, of players that have not won with their first head coach, Hakeem Olajuwon, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan. Dirk. Dirk. Dirk won with his first coach. Oh, no, sorry. Avery. Avery was his coach. Dirk. No. There you go. Nelson. Or Donnie Nelson. Nelson. Donnie, Don Nelson was his coach. Yeah. Then Avery. Avery took us to the 06 finals and then got, got bounced later than I mean, that. You're right. Ka- Kawhi Leonard. Oh, no. No, that's not true. Never mind. Kawhi did win. With I think Pop's Leonard. like the only guy who like has been able to do it. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm trying to like Spolstra, Spolstra was hired, what, like eight days before Carlisle got hired. Uh, uh, yes. But even Spolstra was, uh, I mean, Van, replaced Van Gundy. So, right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, look, at the end of the day, I, I think we can agree that there were changes that needed to be made um, in the front office. There were changes that needed to be made with everything that came out. Um, you can't just sit idly by and, and kind of let, you know, let that stuff blow over and, and keep the same kind of front office structure that you've had uh, for 20 something years. Right. It's a different NBA. It's a completely different league. And, and, you know, we love Donnie Nelson. Donnie Nelson deserves all the credit in the world for, um, you know, the Karan Butler deal, bringing in Jason Terry, uh, the Tyson Chandler trade, uh, you know, discovering Dirk and Nash, discovering Dirk and Nash, Luca, obviously, um, all the credit in the world goes to Donnie Nelson for that. But at some point in time, the moves that you don't make or the moves that you try to make and, and fail, um, you know, are going to come, come back to catch you. And, and, you know, it's, it's a new, it's a new era of Mavs basketball. The era started three years ago. We're just, we're basically hitting reset and, and saying, okay, what do we have to do to make this kid happy? He's 22 years old. He's got a stranglehold on the organization, which as he should, right. I mean, just like LeBron did, right. Um, and, and now you do whatever you can to make him happy. And I'm sure he'll have input on the GM. I'm sure he'll have input on the coach. And I can guarantee you Dirk is going to be in his ear, um, you know, chatting with him every single day to make sure uh, that that we're doing exactly what he wants and, and everything that, that we need to do to keep him happy and keep him here forever. Yep. And, you know, Mark Cuban, you're you're on the clock. Yep, exactly. Adam, thanks a lot, buddy. I appreciate you hopping on. I know uh, you had a lot of things to do today, um, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you hopping on. Um, for everybody listening, once again, I'm your host, Sean Abaz Makani. This is Metroplex Mania. Please subscribe uh, and leave a review as well. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform you choose. Once again, I thank you for listening, and I am Sean Abaz Makani.